the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now, here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. Praise God. We're, uh, we want to welcome you uh, to our, uh, technically our Christmas Sunday. And um, we are in a Christmas series entitled Honoring Christmas. This is about honoring Christmas, not just celebrating Christmas. There's a big difference between celebrating something and actually honoring uh, that. And we're about honoring Christmas. Our text this morning is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 44 to 50. We're going to read that in a minute. And the message is Christmas according to Jesus. Father, we want to thank you and we want to bless your name. We want to just say to you that we have come to just open our hearts uh, in praise and in worship. We are glad to be in your house. We are grateful for the freedom. We are grateful for the opportunity that you give us to come together, uh, to be in a place of worship where we can together with one voice and one heart lift up the name of Jesus, whose name is above every name and whose name every knee shall bow. And every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. We're just grateful, O oh God, to be here today. We're grateful for this year, even though it was filled with challenges and we had to overcome a lot of things. We have come today to thank you. We have come to worship you. We have come to celebrate you. We have come to honor you. We have come indeed to offer our lives. We love you this morning and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I was watching this documentary. Maybe some of you have watched it. It's called Get Back. It's about the Beatles. And if you haven't heard of the Beatles, go back to Mars. It's one of the greatest, most influential groups in the last century, because of, largely because of their great talent for songwriting. And this uh, program shows uh, the four members of the group, okay, collaborating to write 14 songs in two weeks' time. And what fascinated me about watching a portion of this, I'm, a, I'm an admirer of some of their music, uh, it's fascinating that 52 years later, watching this thing, uh, I find myself uh, really getting frustrated with these guys because they, <laughs> they were writing songs that 52 years later 
are now classics. We, we know these songs. These songs have been played millions of times on the radio over the last 52 years. We know their words. Uh, people who follow music uh, already know these words. I'm talking about songs like Let It Be or The Long and Winding Road. But the fascinating thing about this documentary was that they captured these guys writing these songs in its inception, in the beginning. They don't know the words yet to the song. They don't know uh, the, me- the complete melody to the songs yet. They're just trying to figure out. And it's fascinating because they're coming up with these words to put in these songs that we already know 52 y- years later, okay? And they're saying, you know, like silly things. And I'm finding myself looking at them, and I was being silly, saying, no, 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 don't do that. Don't write those words. Those are not the words that you wrote. Of course, I was being silly, but it was just frustrating. Uh, you know, that whole episode wherein they're trying to come up with words uh, that would end up being uh, words to the classic music that they have created. And I find myself being silly and just screaming out of frustration. What's the matter with you, Paul McCartney? Don't you know how to write a song? What's the matter with you, John Lennon? Don't you know how to write a song? Because at that time, they were still trying to figure out what to put in. Now, I can imagine uh, the frustration of Jesus uh, to those people uh, who couldn't figure out uh, who he was. You know, he must have been frustrated uh, seeing people as he proclaimed his name. I couldn't figure out what he was saying. They wouldn't believe. Or, or they couldn't believe. that There must have been a great sense of frustration in the heart and mind of Jesus at the time. He was the long-promised Messiah. And the people he was addressing at the time knew about a coming Messiah. They knew. They had been given a uh, prophecies and promises. They have been given the law. They have been given all of these clues to the coming Messiah. And he backed it up with miracles. He backed it up with a a great uh, wisdom as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God. But they just couldn't seem to get it. By this time in our text, Jesus has been celebrating Christmas for over 30 years. That's just me saying Jesus was over 30 years old by the time these words that we're about to read were written. Okay? He has been proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God to the nation of Israel and have been fulfilling the prophecies, the promises given to them by God and for the whole world uh, to see, and they just wouldn't get it or they just wouldn't believe So probably Jesus got so frustrated that by the time we read this thing, you can see why. And I'll begin reading verse 44. Then Jesus cried out. Now I want you to underline that if you're taking notes. Jesus cried out. This is not Jesus simply proclaiming something in his usual, mild-mannered, you know, very relaxed, very controlled, very even-tempered way as we have been stereotypically seeing, uh, I mean, uh, our stereotypical image, rather, of Jesus. 
You got to underline that because this is Jesus shouting at the people that he was addressing. Jesus cried out, whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. Speaking, of course, of God the Father. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day, for I did not speak on my own. But the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Now again, the passage opens with Jesus literally shouting and, and crying out from the top of his voice. Jesus was serious about people knowing why he came. And if you doubt that, you'd see right away that he's been trying to, you know, he's been trying to proclaim this news for several years now to a nation. And the nation was not, you know, was not, uh, this is not unknown. This was not unknown to the people that he was preaching to. They have the law. They have the prophets. They have the writings. They have all of these things already in their minds. And yet, nothing seems to penetrate. And so by, by, by the time of the writing of this, this particular passage, Jesus was probably already getting a little bit frustrated, okay? Jesus was extremely serious about people knowing who he is. To honor Christmas is not just to celebrate Christmas. To honor Christmas is to acknowledge who Jesus really is. And Jesus, again, was very serious about the whole world knowing who he is and why he came. The world will be judged by Jesus. And at the core of the judgment of Jesus is how we acknowledge or rejected his claims about who he is. So I want to make that clear because this is, this is serious business. Christmas time uh, has been you know, relegated to just a holiday and you know, just a time wherein we remember the birth of our Savior and all of that. But it goes beyond that. It's what, I'm, it's what this whole series was about. Last week was about honoring Christmas uh, because of what it really means. And, and, and today it's about honoring Christmas by acknowledging who Jesus really is. You know, we can celebrate or honor Christmas all we want, but if it doesn't involve an accurate understanding or an accurate recognition of what Jesus said about himself, about why he came, then Jesus uh, will probably be sitting in heaven getting all frustrated and saying, no, 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 that's not why you honor me on this day. That's not why you celebrate Christmas. And you and I as followers of Jesus must know this because this is what we proclaim to the world. 
We're proclaiming to the world a real Messiah, a real Savior. That's, that's the task of Christmas. We honor Christmas the way Jesus would want us to. And the better question to ask ourselves as we celebrate, as we honor Christmas is, what did Jesus say about it? What is Christmas according to Jesus? Jesus is serious about this. <laughs> Let me just repeat that, okay? If you're a Christian and you have some, I don't know, uh, some questions about who Jesus is, then, you know, it's time to really look into what Jesus had to say about that, okay? He was, he was saying this to an entire nation who was supposed to be anticipating his coming, and just flat out missed it. So every time we honor the birth of the Lord, we recognize four things about what Jesus has to say about Christmas. Okay? Four things this morning. Number one, Christmas is Jesus revealing himself as the only Son of God. Now, in the outset, you've heard that before. But it needs to have more clarity in our hearts and minds as we, as we contemplate, as we, as we honor, and as we celebrate Christmas. Revealing himself. Christmas is about Jesus revealing himself as the only Son of God. Verse 44, then Jesus cried out, whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. This is the most critical aspect of the Christmas event. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. He is the incarnate Son of God. Jesus had to shout this out to the hearing of people. If you believe me, Jesus says, you are believing in God because I am the same substance as God. I am the second person of that trinity of God. Believing what I say is the same as believing in God. And if you look at me, it's the same as looking at God. Now, Christianity is a monotheistic religion. I really don't want to use that to refer to Christianity, but that's, but that's what people will refer to Christianity. Uh, but it's a monotheistic religion. Uh, it, it means that we worship and we believe in one God. Mono means one. Theo means God. So we believe in one God who revealed himself in three distinct persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We do not believe that there are three gods. We only believe that there is one God. And within this Godhead exists three distinct persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There are three what's and one who. One God in three what? Persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God the Father is God. Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Okay? Now, don't be bogged down by that. Because a lot of people think, okay, that means Jesus is also the Father. No, that's not what the, the Bible teaches about who God is. We have one God, okay, but there are no three modes of God. Now, let me, let me 
explain this a little bit more. Okay? God the Father did not become Jesus. So, in other words, they are distinct. Okay, some religions think that, oh, you know, God actually became Jesus. No, that's not what the Scripture teaches. Okay? Jesus is not the Father. The Holy Spirit is not Jesus. They are one God, three persons. Distinct in their persons, but in complete unity and harmony in their existence. Now, that may be hard to comprehend. We're not called to comprehend that truth. But we are called to apprehend it from scriptures. We see that in play. When Jesus was baptized, Jesus was there. The Holy Spirit descended like a dove. And a voice from heaven came saying, this is my son, whom I am well pleased. That's important because that's what Jesus, how Jesus revealed himself to the world as the second person of the Trinity. People who originally heard Jesus' words were really blown away. They just couldn't accept that God was right there with them in the flesh. They just couldn't expect, uh, they couldn't um, uh, uh, grapple with the fact that right in front of them is flesh and blood and it's God Himself in human form engaging with them. I mean, just, you can just imagine, you can appreciate how blown away they have they've been. Remember, in the history before the coming of Jesus, uh, their concept of God is nothing physical. I mean, it's, it, you know, there's, there's no physical concept. The only way they can engage God, especially in the Old Testament time, you put yourself in the, in the shoes of the audience that hearing this for the first time. I mean, their only access to God was through a tabernacle or a temple. And they, they can't even get into the place where the presence of God could be accessed. Only the priests uh, can do that. And, and, you know, they had to follow strict rules to be able to engage God in worship in those days because that's how God revealed His presence. You know, that, that Shekinah glory of God can only be felt in the section of the temple that's called the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest can enter that place and make intercessions for the rest of the people. That's an amazing thing. And, you know, even the high priest that goes inside that place, he needed to do everything exactly as God has commanded. Otherwise, God will strike him dead. That's how sacred the presence of God was. And that's how the people who were listening to Jesus are processing these things, right? I mean, they, they have no concept of, of a physical person actually telling them that he is God. You can, you can appreciate their skepticism because, oh, you know, for, for thousands of years, this is how they've been dealing with the presence of God. But, but, but now that same sacred presence, that same glory indwelt a 17-year-old virgin. That same presence in the tabernacle, that same presence in that holy of holies portion of the temple was now in a womb. And that person was born, and he grew up, and he became that light, that, 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 that presence of God in the, in the actual uh, uh, presence of the people where they can have access. Can you imagine that? I mean, you, you, you can't blame them, <laughs> so to speak, for not 
you know, not, not catching this thing. But now looking back years later, looking back now from our standpoint, we already know that this took place. We already know what had happened. God has revealed himself to the world in the person of his one and only son. So the first word by Jesus on Christmas is his deity, his relationship with the Father as the only begotten or of the same substance as God. Jesus was not created by God. He is of the same substance as God that have existed with God in all eternity. That's an important thing to understand in, in celebrating Christmas. Well, why is that so important? What's the big deal about that? It's because our understanding of the nature of Jesus makes or breaks how we look at ourselves. Okay? If Jesus is not God in the flesh, if Jesus is not the incarnate, only begotten Son of God, then we will have a misdirected understanding of why He came in the first place. There's a lot of confusion nowadays about why Jesus came. That brings us to our second point. Okay? And that is, Jesus, Christmas, is Jesus coming to this world, relating not to our situation, but to rescue us from sin. Jesus came to rescue us from sin, not to relate to our situation. Look at verse 46. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should walk in darkness. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, now this is a critical verse, I do not judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. So many have this notion that Jesus as a man came to relate to our situation. Make no mistake about it. Jesus does understand the condition of humanity. He does know what it feels to be a human being. He was fully man, but also fully God. He can certainly share. He certainly shared in our condition. But he did not come for that purpose. He came to rescue us from our situation, not to relate to our situation. He came to rescue us from sin. Okay? Jesus had no sin. So he could not ever relate to the fallenness of sin. The Bible says that he who had no sin became sin for us. That doesn't mean that he sinned. It only means the sin was placed upon him as a payment on our behalf. So that's also critical in understanding what Jesus has to say about who he is. That he did not come simply to relate to our fallenness. He could never have done that because he is never tainted with sin. He wasn't born Technically the same way as we are. We are born into sin. We are a product of our mother and father. We are sons of Abraham and so on and so forth. Or Adam and Abraham and all of these things. But Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He had no sin in him. And why, why are you, forgive me if I pound on this thing. Because there are now Christians who think that Jesus somehow had to sin in order to relate to what it's like to be a sinner. 
And I, I, I never thought that, that I would hear that from people who say they are Christians. But if you are a follower of Jesus, that's an impossibility. You, you know, Jesus was never tainted with any kind of sin. There are those who think that he can relate to humans because of human sinfulness. And therefore, you know, that beca- he becomes a legitimate savior because he knew what he was like. But that's not... What Jesus said. Jesus says, I am a light. I have come to save. I have come to rescue. Light is, you know, like a a symbol of rescue. You know, if you're in a a stormy sea and, you know, it's dark. When you see a light, you know, you kind of go to the light because that's your place of refuge. Okay? I pound in this a lot because there are now... People who call themselves Christians who believe this, that Jesus was capable of sinning and therefore he probably had been tainted with sin in order for us, uh, for us to be able to relate to him. He came to rescue us, to forgive us of our, of our sin. I just want to be sure that you hear my voice <laughs> And you're hearing what I'm saying. Jesus did not come to simply relate to the situation of humanity. He didn't need that, okay, to save us. He didn't need to relate to us in order to offer us salvation. And yet, he came, he experienced our sufferings, he experienced our dilemma in order to rescue us. His primary purpose was not to experience what it's like to be human. His primary purpose was to rescue humanity from the penalty of sin. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, You will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.